0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Yumiko Nakagawa, one of the pastors here at uh, Spring, and it is the second Sunday of Advent season, and we are continuing our sermon series. How does a weary world rejoice? And to respond to that question, we're going to continue to read the book of Luke, and today we're going to read the Gospel of Luke 157 to 66 today. The text uh, is in the bulletin, so you can go ahead and read that, or um, open your Bible, which is also a fine option. So today's text actually does begins with a lots of excitement. A lot of excitement packed in this small text. Okay. First of all, right? There is Elizabeth' pregnancy. For someone like her, at her age, with her age and her history, it was very unusual for someone like her to become would have become pregnant, but she did. Right? Amazing. So that's the first thing. See, and I gotta find the first thing first amazing thing that we see in the Bible, the text, and I'm going to find the right place for this. So yes, exciting. And then the text says in a very first text in a verse 57, not yet yeah, very first text, she was able to carry the baby to full term to give birth, which we may not think very much of it. It's like, oh, great. But if you think about it, but this wasn't always the case for many women back then. Without medical knowledge and care available for us today, it was not unusual for, uh, for a woman to lose a baby before or at the birth. But Elizabeth didn't, right? She was able to carry the baby and safely deliver the baby. So that's a second amazing thing we find in texts. Another can of our dinner goes on top. It's great. It's a tuna can. and (laughs) On top of that, they had a son. That's another thing that they were very excited. So there's a third excitement that they have, right? At that time for a Jewish family, it was vital to have a son to carry their family line. So it was very significant that they had a son granted right i mean odds of having a boy is 50 50 so maybe it's not that unusual but the the what are the chances of this trifecta right for someone like elizabeth on a couple who's well along the age to get pregnant right and the mother safely delivers a baby and that happens to be a boy. This is just amazing trifecta that we see. And naturally, people are so happy. People rejoice at this trifecta. And they gathered around this baby. And they're like, Hi, little Zachariah. Because back then, right, it was very common for um parents to give a uh, father's name to the firstborn son. But then then Elizabeth goes, um, no, that's not his name. He will be called John. And people are like, John, but your husband's name is not John. His father's name, is not John. You don't have any John in your family. Are you sure about this? So they go to Ze- Zechariah and Zechariah also says, yes, he will be called John. So they're thinking, huh? I don't know quite exciting or not, but it is very odd that somebody name gives a name like John. So that's another amazing thing we see in a text. And that wasn't it. And then sorry, I should mention that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't maybe you're like, oh, what's so strange about the naming name John? It's a fine name. We have a couple of Johns in the in our church. Well, it's not the name that was something that was wrong, but the back then, as I said, parents would often give the name of the father or another family member's name to son, especially if it's the first born son. So it just was a little bit odd that they would give a name, random name to the family, John. It was unusual enough that people marvel and then wrote it down to the, um, in the Bible. And then something else happened. As soon as Zechariah proclaimed the baby's name's going to be John, Zechariah's speech was restored. He was able to speak again. Now, this doesn't happen every day. Yet another unusual turn of event. So when you see, when people witness all of this impressive series of a cam, but not the, sorry, not the series of a cam, but it was a series of event, right? People weren't just joyful. People weren't just wondering what's going on. That made people fearful. Seeing all of this happening, people are thinking, um, this is something something great is happening here. We don't know exactly what, but God is doing something great. And of course, right, this extraordinary narrative of John's birth serves as a preview to a greater event to come, the birth of Jesus. There are lots of similarities between these two births, the birth of John and the birth of Jesus. For example, both Elizabeth and Mary conceived despite their seemingly inconceivable situations. Both pregnancies were announced by Angel, right? The baby's coming. So that was the similarity. And both fathers voices were muted in one way or another in both Um, respective wife's pregnancy. And uh, both children bear names given by God. You see, today's text gives a preview to what's to come, which is the birth of Jesus. But that's not all. Today's text gives us a very tiny, small picture of the gospel of Luke, the life and the death of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. I don't know if you can see clearly, but today's text does have um, three parts. There is something God did. Bottom three cans are representing what God has done to Elizabeth. And a top red can represents what God has done to Zechariah. In the in-between, what sits at the center of today's text Is what Zechariah and Elizabeth did, naming John. See, what God has done in red, and what they did, Elizabeth and Zechariah did, in the middle. And what God did to Elizabeth and Zechariah. That's something we see over and over repeatedly in the rest of the Gospel of Luke. We're actually going to continue reading the Gospel for the next several months. And as we do, we will see it over and over, right? We see healing, restoration, and transformation, change of heart over and over. Just as God did to Elizabeth, Jesus would heal many, many people. And just as God did take away her public shame, Elizabeth's shame, Jesus also wipe away social stigma and bring people back to their communities. So we see it over and over what God did to Elizabeth. We're going to see it over and over, done so many times to so many people. And just as God did to Zechariah, we see healing and we see change of hearts people's heart transformed from doubt to praise. What God did, Elizabeth Zechariah, is something we see over and over. As I said, healing, restoration, and transformation is something we see done, not just repeatedly, but done in variety to so many people, to so many different people in so many different ways. In a way, the gospel of Luke is healing, restoration, and transformation galore. So we see, I wanted to make a massive cross with this, massive tower with this, but I think it would be too hard for the live stream. So we have to settle with this scale. So what we see in today's short passage is something we will see in abundance in a whole entire gospel of Luke. But Okay, so what about this one then? It's naming John part. Do we see this later in the Gospel Luke? Yes, we do, right? We see another set of parents. Yeah, another set of parents over here. They're going to do the same thing, not giving their father's name or the father's name to the son, but giving a baby God given name, Jesus. Unlike healing and a restoration and transformation that we see over and over in the gospel, we don't see all the parents, many parents, naming God's given name to their kids in a Luke, right? We don't see that over and over. We don't see the naming galore in the book of Luke. Just Joseph and Mary, isn't it? But actually, there is one more there's a one more time in the gospel of luke that we see the same thing happen not many times but just once we don't see the naming galore but we see this oh that was the back of the As I mentioned, right, it was common for a son to be named after his father. And in such cases, it's not just his name that the son will inherit. With the name comes the father's possessions, father's profession. And just like his father did from his father and his, his, well, his father's father did it from his father's father's father and so on name symbolizes the family's expectation hope and a prayer for the child with the name they pass on the prayer may this may he be happy and well may he become just like his father may his life be filled with the blessings just like his father's life was his grandfather's and his great-grandfather's and on all previous generations But that's not what Zechariah and Elizabeth did. They didn't name their son Zechariah, but John, they gave him a God given name because John wasn't going to be just like his father Zechariah, but someone different. John was to become someone who would prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, as says in Luke, earlier part of the Luke verse 15 to 17. That's what John was going to be. That was John's call. Both his name and this call were given by God, even before John was conceived in the womb of Elizabeth. So that's what John and Elizabeth gave to John. Sorry, Elizabeth and Zechariah gave to John. God's given name and God's call for John. Name John symbolizes the affirmation, hope, and a prayer for John to fulfill this, fulfill this call given by God. Which must have felt exciting and such an honor to do so. My son has a special calling from God. That's amazing. Especially since they probably didn't know what it really meant for John to fulfill God's call. Pastor Rebecca also talked about this last week, how Mary perhaps unknowingly said yes to bearing Jesus, uh, Messiah Jesus in her womb, not fully realizing the cost, not realizing fully realizing what it means for her to be the mother of Messiah. In the same way, I am not sure if John's parents realize what the cost of saying yes is for John, and for even for themselves as a parent. I don't think my mother knew. This is about 20-some years ago. I was young, I was, I was ambitious, and the world was my oyster. One day, an opportunity to work in Afghanistan for six months fell on my lap. And this would have been amazing step toward my dream of becoming humanitarian aid worker. So I said, okay. And I went home and I told my parents I'm going to Afghanistan and I'm so excited because I think this will help me become, you know, my dream come true. And as my parents have always been, they say, oh, okay, that sounds good. They always supported me because all they wanted me to do in my life is to reach and pursue my dreams. So they were great. You go. That's, uh, that's amazing. But I don't think, I don't think my parents, especially my mom knew what it meant for me and for them. So what it meant for me to say yes to the amazing opportunity was that in a reality, wasn't that great. I wasn't allowed to go outside the compound of embassy for security concerns. Our daily five minutes commute, which we could have have a nice walk from our living quarter to our office quarter. No, but we cannot walk. We have to be transported in a bulletproof car guarded by armed securities front and back, which is very uncomfortable thing to do. And sometimes, only sometimes our uh, water gets contaminated i don't know how but it does and all of us gets double whammy of uh, salmonella and dysentery so you just are very sick and because i was working for japanese embassy everybody got sick we can't give it to anyone else great let's go to work so we all go to work and if you have had salmonera dysentery you know if you have those you cannot sit still at the desk you have to be in a bathroom every 10 minutes so what do we do we bring all the paperwork each take a bathroom work from there (laughs) so it was a very um interesting time (laughs) but it was at least very meaningful time for me i've learned tons it was a great experience On the other hand, back home for my mother, it was just sheer six month straight of pain and tears. I didn't know this, but after I came home, my sister told me, Oh good, you're home. Mom was crying every single day, whole time you're away. Now she'll be happy. So apparently according to my sister, every day when she watches the news and if it's about middle east or central asia anywhere remotely close to afghanistan she will cry because she's worried that i won't be safe Uh, she watches the news and oh there's a bombing in iraq which is a whole different country but she's like oh she's gonna get bombed and then she cries and worries at the dinner table, she cooks something I like. She's like, oh, Yumi cannot have it because she's not here. And like, Why would you cook it? But she just cries because she's a mother, right? And she just cries every day, wishing I were back home safely with her. You see, as much as my mom was happy that I was pursuing my dreams, And knowing what I did there was really good for me, but also good for the people in Afghanistan, we're building schools, we're paving the road, rebuilding the hospital, what we're doing was good for the people in Afghanistan. Knowing all that, it didn't ease the pain of letting me go, right? It still pained her as much to know that I may not be safe, I may not be well, And I was far, far away from her. And I don't think it's just my parents who react this way, especially when your child is embarking on a path of challenges, difficulties and pains. Which then makes me wonder how it was for Zechariah and Elizabeth and how it was for Mary and Joseph. With joy and honor, they probably let go of their child in a small way in the beginning, saying yes to God's call for their kids. But as their children grow and embrace their call, one as the one to pave the way for Messiah, and the other as Messiah. I wonder if and how many times they were worried. And I wonder how many times they shed tears. I wonder how many times They wish this call never came to their kids. And I wonder how many times they wish they could actually carry the children's burden on behalf of them. Because it was so painful for them to watch their kids embracing their call. I think the naming John, their son John, was just the beginning for Zechariah and Elizabeth. A small beginning of many, many times they'll have to let go of their children, child, little by little, so that John may fulfill the call to serve God and God's people. And that's what we see repeated in the Gospel of Luke. It's not naming your child a different name. It's the love and the tear and the pain of letting go of the Beloved. And that's something we see repeated in the Gospel of Luke. We see the same theme repeated later in our Gospel of Luke. Just once, but once for all, God let go of the beloved son for the sake of the world. And in that we see deep love and pain of God. For God so loved the world, God gave God's only and one son, Jesus, who came to this world fully divine, fully God, but also fully human. Jesus was born and lived as human, being inflicted with the pains and sufferings, abandoned by his family and friends, beaten, and died on the cross as a criminal. And I think seeing Jesus abandoned by his friends and family, I think it pained God. I think seeing Jesus being tormented God, beaten, tormented God, seeing Jesus on the cross must have been excruciating for God. And being separate from Jesus was unbearable for God. See, the pain was great because love was so deep the love within and among the trinity of god the father the holy spirit and jesus is something beyond our conception it's something that we can't even fathom how deep and how how great the love is even in our feeble mind and limited imagination we can easily imagine how painful and how hard it must be for god to let go of jesus but god did let go of jesus because god the father the holy spirit and jesus all together loves us the world the creation that much. This is the gospel. You see, naming John sits in the center in the middle of today's text. And we see the same theme repeated at the crux of the gospel, Luke as on the cross. And on this cross, we see the pain, tears, and love of God for Jesus, the beloved son. And in that pain and tears of the Trinity, we see God's love for us. And this is all I got for you today. I didn't bring anything new and I also didn't actually bring a response to the sermon series question, how does a weary world rejoice? I try real hard. I, I, I spent a lot of time really trying to find angle, trying to listen to God, God, what is it that you want me to bring uh, to the, to the wellspring congregation? But sorry, this is all I got today. Um, and I think, in the course of preparation for this sermon for a couple of weeks, there's so many times I just was overcame with emotion. I just in tears. I couldn't, I just was in tears. And I think that might be why I had a hard time coming up with a very practical application or connection with the sermon series. I think because I needed to sit at the foot of the cross. I think before I answer to the question, how does the weary world rejoice? I personally needed to allow myself to be amazed at the cross. So if you are willing, I would like to invite you to, um, do the same. If that's somewhere you are, I want to invite you to join me at the foot of the cross and look at the cross and think about what God has done, what Jesus has done. I wonder if you consider allowing yourself to be amazed by the cross with me. I don't know what that looks like for you. Some of us may be amazed by the power of the cross, right? The healing and restoration and transformation. And maybe that our prayer is that we receive the power of the cross, like Zechariah did, like Elizabeth did, and so many people in the Luke did. And maybe for some of us, the cross moves us in different way. Maybe seeing Jesus on the cross, maybe seeing God love and tears on the cross. Maybe that moves us to give up something for God and for the sake of the world. however the cross speaks to you i want to invite all of you to spend this week to allow yourself to be amazed at the cross once again let me end with a reading of the john three sixteen. hear the word of god for god so loved the world that God gave as one and only son, That whoever believes in God shall not perish, but have eternal life. This you see is how much God loved the world enough to give God's only special son so that everyone who believes in God should not be lost, but should share in the life of God's new age. Amen.